So, Pete, what are we talking about today? Kev, you know those days when there's like a fly or something buzzing around you, but every time you go to swat at it and, and find it, it's just gone. You can't, you can't. They're just everywhere, but nowhere. Is that? I think that's a psychotic break, Pete. Is it? Or is it a late 90s creature feature? Uh, I'm going to go with psychotic break for 500, Peter. Is that also why I can hear, you know, like that sound when you rub your finger over a glass and it makes the musical notes? I hear that a lot, too, with the flies. All right. Hey, guys, welcome to Fearless Films. We're going to have to take Pete to the psychiatric ward. We'll be back. You know, I'm hearing it, too. Fearless Films is a podcast where a horror movie buff, that's me, breaks down scary movies for the scaredy cats. That's me. So they don't have to watch the movie. Yeah, I didn't mean to do it, but I was kind of, I went a little Mario there. (laughs) It's a me, scaredy cat. It happens, you know. Sometimes I just want to go real fast. So... You said creature feature, but I'm I'm hearing psychological mind fuck of a movie. What what are we talking? No, no, about? that's just me. Are we talking about the fly? Not yet. You're not ready for that one yet. Are we talking about SWAT? That doesn't have anything to do with bugs. Are we talking about it? We already did. I know, but I'm, these are all words that you used in the intro, so. Oh, I hate you so much. We're talking about the 1997 film Mimic. There's a joke in there somewhere where I could just, like, repeat what you were saying, but I'm tired. Thank you. I really <laughs> could use the break. Um, this is an interesting science fiction horror film, Kev, because it is the first American-produced film from director Guillermo del Toro. Oh, man, you know that's going to be a messed up movie then. Well, is Guillermo not? Is he is he letting <laughs> us down? Remember, this is the first American produced film by him, so he didn't have any clout yet. So oh. it's often cited as his worst movie cuz he's like, guys, maybe we should do this and people in suits with spreadsheets were like, I don't know. The numbers say you should do something bland and predictable. You would be correct, Kev, because the producers in question were the Weinstein brothers. Wow. Wow, that's the producers. Like, that's the that's the top of all, let's make this as by the numbers as possible. They found this, obs- at the time, obscure Spanish director who had made some haunting, visually beautiful, messed up films. And were like, we want you to make this script about these giant bugs that kill people. And he's like, I'm it. I'll throw my own spin on it. And they're like, hold up, hold up. No, 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 We no, don't no, want no. you to do anything creative with it. What gave you that idea? We loved all your previous work. Can you do that, but also do exactly what we say? So do our work. Mm-hmm. And why do they even hire people based off of their previous work in that regards? I don't know, but that's how Hollywood works, man. But yeah, while it still came out as a passable, entertaining movie and a really cool creature feature, it you can tell, like, watching it, you're like, this is by Del Toro? Really? Like, why? How? 
<laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and assume that this movie was made by Michael Bay so that my expectations will be like pleasantly surprised throughout the movie that he was so innovative. I mean, I was going to naysay you, but there is a giant explosion at the end of the movie because Of course there is. Because Hollywood. <laughs> I think Michael Bay was a creation by Hollywood. <laughs> To be like, no, we we are tired of dealing with independent thinkers. Let's just make a Hollywood automaton that follows the rules of movie making the way we want them to be done. So in essence, he is the one billion dollar man. That's that was the goal. <laughs> it was like yeah. we'll, we'll make him so he can make us a billion dollars per movie. <laughs> I don't know if he's uh, pulled that off yet. Um, I'd have to do research, but his ma- his I mean, he make makes a lot his of movies money. do make money. I don't understand why, but they do. Yeah. All right. So now that we've built up everybody's expectations to have, witness this amazing masterpiece of a movie, let's uh, talk about what happens in it. Okay. So here we go. New York City, present day, present day of the '90s. So there's a pandemic. Well, actually, yes. That is the plot of the movie. Oh, my God. Guillermo, you're a genius. You were able to predict present day, but before present day happened. There's this thing called Strickler's disease, which is um, some... They don't go into too many specifics, but to sum it up, it's a horrible disease that affects only children. Well, that sucks. It is tearing through the the child population of New York. And scientists discover that it is being spread by cockroaches. So the oh. CDC hires a woman named Susan Tyler, Dr. Susan Tyler, played by to actress step on Mira... all the cockroaches. No, 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 no. Uh, played by actress Mira Sorvino, and she's going to come in, and she genetically engineers a new species of insect that is a hybrid between mantis, mantids and termites. And what this thing does is they, they put it into the sewers where the cockroaches are, and it uses pheromones to attract all the cockroaches and then secretes the substance that kills them all. Well, it, I mean, it'll, it sounds like it'll deal with the problem. Yes. And they also, when they were fiddling with its genetics, they worked in so that they accelerated its metabolism and made all of them female so that they'll die off really quickly. Yeah, no, that worked really well in Jurassic Park. My thought exactly. <laughs> And that's like what it that's what its secretion does too. That's how it kills the cockroaches. They like eat the secretion and then their metabolism's going to overdrive and they literally cannot eat fast enough before their bodies just destroy themselves. It sounds like like a lot of scientific like in-depth talking about we need to kill some bugs. Yeah, it, it, that is, well, the goal they state in the movie is like, well, this way we can do it without using harmful pesticides and chemicals and stuff. Oh, sure. I'm sure this won't be harmful in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, you know, it's a movie, so. They should have just hired Will Smith at the end of Men in Black. He got rid of cockroaches like a motherfucker. Uh, I believe that cockroach was kicking his ass until Tommy Lee Jones stepped in and blew it up from the inside. Yeah, but he also, he, he got all the little ones and stepped on them. Thanks. That that helps, I'm sure. That was very useful. Every little bit helps, Pete. <laughs> Starship Troopers, are you doing your part? <laughs> so anyway, Dr. Susan Tyler is working with this guy, uh, Dr. Peter Mann. 
Peter Man. I was gonna I was gonna make fun of Susan Tyler for having two first names, but then you threw Peter Man at me, and I just want to know where they came up with these names. Um, I think it's based on a short story, so blame the author. Either way, they're working together. They create this breed of insect, which, by the way, they name the Judas breed. Wow. Just to be fucking clever. (laughs) They're really messing with fate real hard here, aren't they? There's lots of not fully explored themes of, um, like, faith and god and things like that because Guillermo del Toro was trying to be his usual artsy self but the studio handicapped that before it could amount to anything it sounds like what you meant to say is that Guillermo created a lot of themes and then the studio was like don't follow up on those pretty much yeah nobody wants to talk about those so either way the disease is successfully eradicated the cockroaches are blown away Um, oh wow oh Great, good movie. Peter and Susan fall in love and get married, and it does a the th- end. It does Man, a three-year no, shut up. <laughs> three-year time jump to the actual present day. There's another present day. Yeah, why not? <laughs> but uh, I will state speci- uh, before we go any further, not all the characters are dumb and just assume everything's going to be flowers and sunshine with this plan. Susan herself is like. I'm going to do this to save children's lives, but we don't know the effects this will have on, like, natural ecosystems and things like that, so I'm just throwing my two cents out there. And the CDC is like, yep, heard you, whatever, move on with the plan. Just make the killy bugs. It's gonna be great. Nothing could ever go wrong. It's fine. (laughs) So, three years later, like I say... Everything goes wrong. We cut to a priest running in the night, being chased by somebody who we don't see. And eventually they're, like, they're they're chased off the roof of a building, but, like, you know, he falls, lands on some scaffolding, and then hits the ground and is barely still alive until this figure approaches and attacks him and kills him, drags him into the sewers. Is it the croc? Isn't that a killer croc? That's the word I was thinking about. It's not any Batman villains, no. Are you sure? I'm fairly positive. It could be a Batman villain is all I'm saying. All right. Well, okay. So here's the part where I'm about to lose you. The only witness to <laughs> this crime. When you start talking about horror movies? No, 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 no. It's going to be a name thing. The only witness to this crime is a young boy who is watching from his window of the apartment he lives in with his grandfather, I think. They never really specify some old man? Yeah, well, it's an old man uh, named Manny. He's an Italian immigrant. <laughs> and the boy is his ward, grandson. I don't know. They never okay. specify. But Caretaker, the bo- got it. The boy's name is Chewy. C-H-U-Y. <laughs> All right, am I going to get in trouble for making fun of a traditional non-American cultural name here? Probably. Because what? His name's Chewy. Like the big hairy thing in Star Wars. That's that's how they pronounce it. They don't say like Chewy or anything. They just say Chewy every time they say his name. And I'm like, I guess that's a name. I've never heard it <laughs> in the real life, but I heard it in this movie. And well, and here's the other hot button issue with this character, Kev. This boy Chewy uh, appears to be an autistic savant. Oh. 
So you can imagine how well that plays in a 90s film. It was a very culturally sensitive time, Pete. Yup. Picture Rain Man, but as a young boy. Oh, man. And that about sums it up. Except his, you know how, like, Rain Man's thing was, like, you drop, like, a bag of marbles on the ground and he can count them instantly and he can remember any date and things like that. Like, facts just come into his head real easily. Yeah. This young boy's savant talent (laughs) is he knows shoes. All shoes. Yes. Because his the the old man who is his caregiver is a he works as a shoe shiner in the subway and I guess he's a cobbler too maybe I'm not sure how they make a living <laughs> off of him just any, being a shoe shiner any shoe related activity this man's got it throughout the movie they, they'll be like standing in public and a person will walk by and the kid will be like black dress shoes leather size eleven that's not gonna help Tom Cruise make it big in Vegas. I know, but it's here's, really not. this is what bugs me. The size uh, thing, uh, shut up, uh, shut up, shut up now. The size thing, okay, that's pretty impressive to just be able to correctly guess someone's shoe size just by looking at them, but sure. everything else he does is just the the visual appearance of the shoe. Yeah, that's right. Chewy. He's like they black leather, black. dress shoes. It's like, yes, I also knew that by looking at them. So the movie makes this kid seem like this super talented autistic person, and he's just describing what he sees. I love how in the 90s they used autism as a way of being like, listen, we want a superhero, but we're not a superhero movie. So let's just make this so that we can get away with some weird talent. Yeah. Okay, so Chewie witnessed some rando getting murdered yeah yeah and when he looks at the person attacking the guy he just calls him mr funny shoes so it's a clown maybe clown based murders it's not it kev (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that happens and eventually like the the authorities are called in to investigate and that leads them to this triad run underground operation with like slave workers in this sweatshop making meth or something it being a triad operation i'm sure they were also equally culturally sensitive about the i mean it that part wasn't it was just like a bunch of asian slave workers but none of them are like talking in big phony accents or anything But the CDC is called in. Uh, Peter Mann shows up again to investigate because of the, the living God, conditions. They're worried about, like, bacterial growth and if it could spread and shit like that. Because the, the slave workers were forced to work in horrifying conditions, which isn't a surprise. They're slaves. Right? <laughs> so that's what reintroduces the main characters back into the plot is they're Thank checking God. that out. I was really worried about Peter Mann. Meanwhile, Susan is over here doing her bug science thing. And apparently she has this side hustle, Kev. You're going to like this. Well, you can't just make money off of just bugs and shoe co- shoe shining, you know. You gotta, no, yeah, yeah. going to have a side hustle. Her side hustle is she's, like, at her lab, and these two young boys, probably of, you know, age 12, 13, they come to her, and they're like, Hey, you the bug lady? 
And she's like, yes. And they drop like a paper bag on her desk and it's like butterflies and shit that they've been collecting, which she gives them money for. How is this? So there's an underground bug ring going on here. Apparently. See, my head explanation, which makes it better because the movie doesn't give one, is that she's trying to support some inner city youths and get them interested in science, you know? Sure. But the movie is just sort of like, these kids heard about her and they bring her bugs in the hopes that they'll, she'll give them money. <laughs> like, that's it. That's how the movie portrays it. Oh, man. That's wonderful. But yeah, what she realizes is that one of the bugs they brought her on this latest expedition resembles the Judas bug. Which, but they all were supposed to die, Pete. Yeah. They're all females, like the dinosaurs. <laughs> so this sets off some alarm bells, and she goes to, you know, investigate further. Which leads to a friend of hers who once There's this character, her best friend, this lady, who they don't explain what this woman does for work. I think she works with Susan. I'm not sure. I'm just assuming she's also a shoe shiner slash cobbler. Maybe. That's the, the most lucrative profession you could have in New York in this time frame. But this friend of hers is alerted by another friend who works at, like, the sewage treatment plant of the city that they found something interesting and they wanted to show them. And what they found clogged up in the pipe somewhere was this, like, massive, like, dog-sized insect-looking thing. Nice. So even more alarm bells because Susan's like, well, this is probably connected and that's a terrible <laughs> thing. Oh, and by the way, the city sewage worker who they talked to, you'll appreciate this, Kevin. Hollywood debut of one Mr. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus? Of The Walking Dead and Boondock Saints fame. I'm pretty upset that you said The Walking Dead first. Well, I mean, that's what he's more well known well, for now. Nope. I'll always love him for the Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints all the way. We're going to lose so much respect, apparently, because we like that movie. It's it's trendy these days to not like that movie anymore. I don't know why. Really? It's fucking I hilarious. Like anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the second one was all right. Yeah. The first one was really what I'm talking about here. But yeah, it's, it's pre-fame Norman Reedus, and he is... He's he's going to the, the Porky Pig school of acting because he is hamming it up in this role. <laughs> he's just I like, yo, it. so I remember my friend told me that bugs shouldn't get this big. So I was like, I got to tell her because this bug is huge. And I'm like, She's oh, my God, lady. dude, tone it down. <laughs> so, yeah, that uh, that happens. So we're just finding random weird bug shit happening right now. That's that's where we are at in the mystery of this movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, great. <laughs> Caramel, you've got me you've got me hook line and sinker. Let's do this. Bring it home, baby. Yeah, okay. So Peter and Susan team up. Oh, and there's a subplot where they're trying to get pregnant and they she takes a test and it doesn't come up positive and she's sad. But then after she leaves, he sees it in the trash can. It actually was positive. It just oh, took a while to get pregnant. there. But he hasn't he isn't able to tell her because their cell phones are shitty because it's the 90s. And when he tries to tell her, their connection gets lost and it doesn't fucking matter. Honestly, uh, the, meanest, the meanest thing that those uh, birth control, uh, birth pregnancy test companies did was put the... Uh, 
47 time minute time delay on it you know like (laughs) i don't know why they decided to do that but you know they thought dramatic tension and everything yeah so two things happen that aren't they're they happen but they're rare for movies even horror movies first this part is more common because it's a character doing something silly one night chewy goes into that building where the guy got attacked because he heard the noises again the the assailants were making these clicking noises oh i forgot this is his other special talent he has (laughs) these two spoons two superpowers yeah he's got these two spoons and he he clicks you know like he bangs like he's playing the spoons and this is something his grandfather or whatever is very proud of he can mimic any sound pattern he hears and it's just him going click 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 you know, like anyone can do. I'm thinking that you're not super invested in this character here, Pete. You're not I'm you're just, not loving Chewie. I'm just wondering why he exists in the movie at all. But yeah, He's like He's probably going to play a very important role about identifying and or defeating these bugs. Nope. <laughs> Damn because it, Pete, I had hope. Because as I as I was getting to, he goes into this building. The bugs, the bug people things make these clicking noises, and he imitates it with his spoons. Which is, I guess, why they don't kill him. They capture him and bring him back to their nest. <laughs> now he's gone for most of the movie. Like from this point forward, you don't see him again until the very end. Why do the bugs keep him? Why do they just hold on to him for a while? What's their plan? <laughs> they needed shoes, Pete. <laughs> He's going to make them all shoes. I guess so, so they can better hide. It's like when they uh, captured Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder. They all love shoes, and they just want him to... They are his prisoner to, to make shoes over and over for them. Yeah, well, there's a line from that movie that makes me think of this one, but I'm not going to say it for fear of right? offending anyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, Chewie gets kidnapped. And now the other thing that happens simultaneously is those two bug hunting boys go into the sewers to look for more specimens because they catch on to the fact that Susan is interested in these bugs and they're like, ooh, maybe she'll give us more money for them. So they find a part of the nest and they're they're trying to take one of the big egg sacs when one of the bugs attacks them and brutally murders them on screen. Nice. That went... That we went into horror territory real quick. Oh yeah, I remember being a young lad of probably about the same age when I first saw this movie, and that threw me for a loop. What kind of bug creatures are we talking about here? So picture basically a man-sized general outline of a praying mantis, but with more sort of ant or cockroach-like features, and they're... You know what? I was also thinking praying mantis here, so... Yeah, yeah. But instead of, like, their arms that are segmented, like, they can grip, but mostly what they use them for is their giant scythe blades, essentially. Nice. Yeah. scythe blades. So these kids get fucking stabbed and cut up and torn apart. All while they're screaming and crying for help, and it's all on screen because you know Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo doesn't give a fuck. He will, if it doesn't matter who you are, if you're in his movie, you're gonna get brutally murdered. I mean, these kids should have known the uh, you know black market bug trade was a really dangerous one. Yeah, it puts the Mexican cartels to shame. And I guess at this point, I should probably explain the title of the movie, Mimic. Nope. 
I was just going to be happily ignorant, blissfully ignorant. The reason no one has detected these man-sized bugs in the three years they've been developing is because when they stand upright and they fold their wings over their bodies, it resembles a man in a trench coat. And their heads have these, like, stony, like, bone-like coverings that come over their insect faces that look like a human face. Are you kidding me? That's, that's what they do. Yep, that's totally believable. Well, I get your I get your doubt, but the point is it's not that they perfectly look like humans, obviously. It's that they live in the sewers and they only operate at nighttime. So, by the time you're close enough to be like that's not a fucking human being, it's too late. They're close enough to get you and kill you. All right. All right, fair. Yeah. Like that's how they've been pulling. They never really leave the sewers. They've They've been feeding off of the homeless population for those three years. That's for certain. <laughs> so after all well, they're, that... They're cleaning up the, 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 the streets of the sewers, I guess. No, that I, sounds bad. Let's cut that, all that. That sounds bad. Well, we're not going to say that. After all that, we go back to the main characters of this film. They're going to all the... Right, we had to kill some people and drum up tra- tension, but now we're back. Yeah. Peter... And his partner, who I should also point out, played by a young Josh Brolin, a.k.a. Thanos. Ooh. Their their investigation on that slave ring found there was, like, some entrance to the sewers connected to the building they were investigating. And they found some indications of those bugs. So Peter and Susan team up and they're like, all right, we need to get into the old subway tunnels because that's where those tunnels lead. And see if their nest is down there, because if it is, this is bad news. we got to figure it out and alert people. All right, let's get them. So they run into a surly uh, MTA police officer who, once they get the proper permits, is like, all right, I will lead you into the sewers. Now, of course, what they do is they split up. Well, I mean, the sewers can't be dangerous at all. Susan is supposed to meet them there at a certain time. She gets there late. Peter, his partner, and the cop go underground, and Susan is up in the subway station. Now, it's late at night, the subway's closing, people are leaving, and then she's standing there alone, gets kind of spooked, and she sees a figure standing down at the other end of the platform. In a trench coat? Yeah! Oh, it's one of the mimics! She approaches the person and is trying to ask for the time, but then when she gets around the gets closer to them, she sees, oh, fuck, that's not a human being. And the bug starts chasing her and, for no reason at all, grabs her and flies her down to the nest instead of killing her on the spot like it did with everyone else it's encountered. It's because they um, they know that the, the guy who's a, the autistic child was like, I need a helper to help make my shoes for all of you people. uh, they're like quick get somebody who has nimble fingers yeah so she's dragged into the 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 subway tunnels into the nest also while all this is going on manny who's looking for chewy doesn't get any help from the police so he goes into the tunnels by himself to look for the kid everybody's just let's all just hang out in the tunnels it's fine Oh, yeah. And it's very it's very Hollywood. Like, he calls the cops, and they're like, unless he's been missing for 48 hours, we can't do anything for you. Sorry, bud. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's how that works. That's, that's exactly how that works. <laughs> that's like, not only is that wrong, that is the exact opposite of what you should be doing if missing somebody. The first 48 hours is, like, the most crucial 
for trying to find somebody. Yeah, the odds of finding a missing person after 48 hours go down like 80% or something like that. Sorry, bub. I gotta finish my coffee. So all of our major players are now in the sewers, in the thick of danger. What could go wrong? Everything's gonna work out just fine, am I right? I don't care. Alright, Pete. We're gonna be introducing a very special episode next, so for this upcoming thing, I need you now to say the entire segment in your best leprechaunish Irish accent. That is never going to happen. <laughs> Just say they're after me lucky charms. How about I say lawsuit? <laughs> And we just leave it at that. All right, so I've given the hints enough. What are we talking about next week and the following weeks of March? I'm surprised about how excited you seem, Kev, because next week it's our St. Patty Day special, Leprechaun 2. There's a a phrase, I forget what it is, uh, where if you get, like, enough abuse heaped onto you, you basically just try, you stop trying to escape it. And you just lie down and roll with it. And that, that's pretty much where I am. <laughs> it's the world I live in right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, my take on it, what I thought was funny is with some of our other franchises, we've we've done that whole, like, in the month of October, we're going to do every week is just breaking down a whole franchise. And I love how we, without even saying it to each other, agreed that Leprechaun wasn't ever going to be one of those franchises. <laughs> Well, you told me about the first one, and I was like, wow, I can't deal with a whole four-week-long breakdown of this franchise. Yeah, it's just, we can save it as a once-a-year thing. Alright, so we've got Leprechaun going on, and then we can move on from that travesty, and then we've got two weeks left, right? Yes. The first of which, we'll be talking about a 70s classic known as The Omen, which will... You know, instill I heard a healthy about that one. That one's pretty good. That will instill a healthy fear of children in the audience. Awesome. And then after that, we're going back to the modern day to talk about the movie Antebellum, which is very recent, right? Very, very recent, and it's uh, about a woman trying to figure out if her reality is actually what it appears to be. Cool. Well, I'm excited for those movies. I lied and. I can't wait to uh, see what you have to say to me about those. I said, lying some more. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can always get in touch with us on Facebook. We're Fearless Films Podcast. Or you could do Twitter, Fearless Film Pod, or Instagram. I guess people talk on Instagram. We're not cool or savvy enough to have a Snapchat or TikTok. Why would we? Uh, But go ahead and download our podcast at any major podcast downloader app thingy. Or you can just... Click the direct link that we post every time we have a new episode on Facebook. Uh, That's about it. We love to hear from fans. We love to hear from people for what they want to hear from because there's so many horror movies out there. It's just so hard to pick sometimes. So drop us a line. Let us know what you want to hear, what you're excited about. And if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, we're always open for it. You ready to go back? To the bug squishing competition? Um, that's not what we're doing, but yes. Mm. <laughs> Let's go talk about some bugs. Bugs!
Alright, so when I said I don't care, Pete, I just need to really explain myself. So far, we've got the complexity and nuance of a Guillermo del Toro movie, but none of the logic or the, the passion that makes me care about it. So right now, I'm just trying to jumble names together and saying they're all basically in the sewer because of bug things. And that's all I've gotten so far. So uh, that's where I'm at. And it's yeah. very hard to care. Yeah, it's scientists go into sewer to make sure everything's not terrible, but it is. I mean, I'm still sitting there questioning why there were, like, street kid bug catchers. Like, why was that a thing? I don't know. Yeah, it is pretty interesting how Peter and Susan are like, we need to go investigate this because it could have major repercussions to do with that pandemic we helped solve earlier. Should we tell anyone? Probably nope. not. Let's just go <laughs> on by ourselves. At least they, the movie tried to give you a reason why uh, Manny there went by himself because the cops are like, we don't care. It's, <laughs> it's still a stupid reason, but they tried. Yeah. So Peter, his his partner, and the cop are down in the sewers. They, the cop and Peter get separated from the partner, from Josh Brolin, because they're on some scaffolding and it falls and they can't get to each other. So they're like, just make your way back and call for help and we'll be down here. It'll be fine. You so of course the cop, so I don't really have a lot of faith in the cop surviving very long here. <laughs> uh, Officer Leonard Norton, played by Charles S. Dutton, who is a, a pretty fine actor. I loved him in Alien 3. Don't, don't tell me his name. Don't tell me. I don't need to know his name. <laughs> Either way, Josh Brolin goes to get help. He almost gets out of the sewer, but then the bugs kill him. Oh, no, not Josh, you Josh. Y- yes. He was my bro. Get it? No. Brolin? I hate you. Yeah, now you get it. (laughs) But, you know, that's the last he's ever mentioned or thought about in the movie because nobody saw him die, so... They're like, man, he must have went on vacation with his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the cop and Peter run into Manny, who had previously stumbled over Susan, and they pull her out of the hole she's stuck in, and they're all together now. Yay! They they just stuck her in a hole. That's what they did. They they Those left her in a tunnel, and Manny found her like through a grate above, like in the ceiling above her, and they pull her out. Okay. Yeah. The four of them end up in an abandoned subway car, like an ancient one in these old subway tunnels, and the I bugs. Need to really impress upon Hollywood that that's not what businesses the subway doesn't just leave shit in the tunnels i don't know kev i've seen it in so many movies now i think it's fat like (laughs) i think there's just abandoned subway tunnels that are just sitting down there it's like an airport graveyard where they're just like a bunch of subway uh yeah just tunnels filled with old derelict machines new york just kept building on top of itself man it just (laughs) kept going up But yeah, they get attacked by a bug, it injures the cop, it cuts one of his legs, but they kill it, and they drag its carcass into the train car with them. And they discover a bunch of things really fast because we needed some exposition. (sighs) A, Susan comes up with a theory now that she sees the bugs are human-sized. She says that increasing the metabolism of the Judas breed had a side effect where... 
Well, here's the part that confuses me, because they never explain it. They were designed to all be females, but she's like, they bred so fast that they started evolving quickly, and it's like, but how did they breed if they were all females? And the movie never explains. Like, we don't even get the the frog thing from D- from Jurassic Park. I just really want somebody to come out and just be like, life finds a way. We don't have an Ian Malcolm character in this movie, and it suffers for it. I just want Jeff Goldblum to just show up and be like, life finds a way. <laughs> but yeah, somehow... they he be- has to be topless. <laughs> somehow the bugs started mating, and they were reproducing so fast that she says they probably went through tens of thousands of generations in only three years. And if you know how... Darwin's theory of evolution is, like, mutations happen, and then if those mutations keep breeding, then they become the norm, and that's how you get new species. And she says they eventually evolved themselves to what they are now. So what you're telling me is that at some point, this this Darwinism theory of evolution decided that these bugs needed to look like three Muppets in a trench coat. And that was, like, the thing. That's right. They fell for Muppet Man. (laughs) They always fall for Muppet Man. But yeah, um, that's Susan's take on it, is they're like, well, most animals evolve to counteract their natural predators, so they counteracted us. Oh, God. Why were we their predators? It's we didn't such, even know they existed. It's such a trailer line, and oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that is the funny thing, too. It's like, we didn't even know they existed. Why did they evolve like that? But whatever. It makes for a cool creature. I don't know if, like, trench coat fedora-wearing bug is what I would call cool creature of the week. Here. I didn't say anything about a fedora, Kev. You're, I'm you're projecting. A fedora. You're projecting. But yeah, the other cool thing they discover is that these bugs have scent glands, and they're able to use those to mask their own human sense and stop being attacked for a while. What? They rub bug juice all over themselves, and the bugs can't smell them anymore. Oh, they... They uh, borrowed a page out of Arnie's uh, book. Well, like when he covered himself in mud? It was mud. (laughs) Yes. It was definitely mud. Yep, we're in agreement. So they come up with a plan. If they can get the power restored to this train car, they can get it moving, get close to an exit, and escape to the surface. Because, of course, there's going to be power. They never saw Jurassic Park. None of them did. This is classic Samuel L. Jackson territory here. <laughs> I'm going to go restore power, and then we'll be okay. Oh, well, it gets better, Kev. It's decided that Peter and Manny are the ones who are going to go out and fix the power and switch the tracks over so they can get the car moving, because... <laughs> That's the only problem with this centuries-old abandoned subway, is that it just didn't have the juice, guys. Exactly, like... and these people are going to be able to figure out rewiring it themselves. Like, I shit you not, the cop, who appears to be a train aficionado, draws a quick diagram for Peter and is like, this is all you'll need, go. I mean, I gotta say, you know what? This is a lot of thought and real care for plot development. I I am very pleasantly surprised that Michael Bay was able to put all this in one of his movies. (laughs) Yeah, it's surprising, isn't it? (laughs) So... Susan at first is like, I'll go out there, but Peter's like, no, 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 you're the only one who can explain the bugs to anyone on the surface. You need to live. And all, and, and also, he doesn't bring up the fact that she's pregnant. He just keeps that one in his pocket. About? No, it still hasn't been talked about. Surprise! Just seals that one away for later. So, 
Peter and Manny go out there. They hit like he Peter has a run in where a bug like approaches them, but then walks past, and it's very tense and scary. Manny walks about three feet and then thinks he hears Chewie's like spoon tapping, so he goes to investigate. Manny's really bad at this. Oh yeah, he finds Chewie in a room just fucking chilling out. And he's like, Making oh, shoes you're safe. For the bugs. And then he like, he's like sweating and scared and relieved and all this shit at once. And he starts wiping his brow with his handkerchief and just wipes off the scent gland stuff. And the bugs come out of nowhere and kill him. But not Chewy. No, not Chewy. They haven't killed him yet because he makes clicky noises. No, it's because he makes shoes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um... So yeah, Peter gets the power restored. Even though they didn't fix the track, the plan still mostly works, and the movie does not address that. (laughs) Turns out this track was fine, guys. Let's go! But then Susan goes out to find Manny because he hasn't come back yet. He's dead. Leave him. She finds Chewie, and they go to head back, but the train car starts getting attacked again by the bugs, and... The cop gets injured some more and is bleeding more, so he knows the bugs are going to be attracted to him, so he tells the other three to just leave him and go. And Wait, he... are these bugs part shark, too? Yes, they make a big deal about the, sm- the scent of his blood is attracting them. And have they mentioned this at all before now? Just when they got stuck in the train car. All right. So he starts running down or walking down a tunnel and lures a bunch of the bugs after him. The other three go to escape. They get fucking separated again when Peter finds a dumbwaiter. He puts Susan and the kid in it and sends them up. And he's like, I got to stop this where it, where it is or some stupid shit. <laughs> and he goes... Another trailer line. He goes deeper into the complex and finds like their big main nest area, right? Can we talk about dumbwaiters uh, in abandoned subway terminals? I don't want Can to because it doesn't that? make sense to me. <laughs> Well, no, the train the train conductors need to eat lunch, you know? And Is that what they're the for? <laughs> so the, the chefs above on the New York streets can deliver the hoagies down. That makes sense. So Peter's in this big area full of, like, pipes and shit because it's the sewers. And he starts with, like, a metal tool. He starts breaking open these gas pipes and l- releasing it all into the room. Because that's a thing? Yeah, they're just a bunch of gas pipes, and this is the... He's striking the metal pipes with a metal, like, axe or something, and just putting holes in it. But then you know how his... He's like, alright, I'm gonna blow the room up because the gas has filled the room now. So what he does is he strikes the metal axe against the grating on the floor to make a spark. So when he was doing the holes... No sparks. No, no sparks. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, But now, lots of sparks. And what's even better... So... The grating was over some, like, there was just a pool of water. I don't know what it was for. Sewer stuff, I guess. (laughs) So there's an opening that he's standing next to. He scrapes the axe to make a spark, and the gas ignites, and the room starts blowing up. Now, remind you, the axe that makes the spark, the spark is generated from two inches away from his feet. Right. Right. The next shot after the explosion begins is him diving into the water unharmed. How does he do that if the explosion originated on him? The spark falls really slowly. 
Is that how that works? It wafts in the breeze a little bit. Yep. It's swirling around. You know like those uh, trees where you throw their seeds up and then they spin like little helicopters? I love those, yes. That's the spark. Just think of the spark doing that for a little bit. I'll take your word for it. Well, what's-his-face, I don't even know what his name is, I didn't care to remember it, uh, is running dramatically, probably in slow motion, with his short turn torn open, uh, away from the... No, he doesn't run, like, he just falls forward into the pool of water. (laughs) It's fine. Either way, he blows up the nest. Yay! Meanwhile, in the tunnel above, Susan and the boy are running. Also gets blown up, because explosions go upwards. Well, there is a lot of collateral damage. They show, like, the explosion blowing manhole covers and shit up on the surface, and lots of people probably die. We're, like, three layers deep in this subway, aren't we? Yes, it was a big explosion. This, sorry, this subway slash sewer slash everything transit graveyard yeah and also i imagine what it's gonna do for the infrastructure of the city if he just blew up an entire fucking gas pipeline listen bugs have been living down there for generations apparently so i don't think anybody really knows their sewers anymore it's just the bugs and the ninja turtles that's it so up above susan and the kid are attacked by the one jason by Jason. No, that's a different... That's in Manhattan. He was on his way to New York, right? This isn't Manhattan. This Through is one the of the sewers. other boroughs. But no, they're attacked by the male of the colony. The only fertile male who earlier hey. they'd been like, hey, if there's a colony with a fertile male, you kill that, you kill the colony because they can't breed anymore. Great. Because one of the females learned how to turn male, but only one. Yeah, that's how it worked. Okay. Great. So the male attacks Susan. She runs down the train track because they're now on the level where it's like active train tracks and the thing's chasing her and there's a train coming towards them so she just runs and then dives out of the way at the last second and the train runs over the male and kills it see i was kind of hoping that the male would capture the susan like hold her down and the train's coming and and the, the bug's like do you hear that susan that's the sound of inevitability oh my god <laughs> it is the sound of your death is that what the bug would say? Yeah, and then she jumps up and hits it against the roof and backflips off of the tracks. It's really great. Good moment. That sounds pretty cool. I thought she was going to tell the bug that she doesn't have to kill it, but she also doesn't have to save it. That's good, too. We could do that. I think, I mean, you'd think Michael Bay would have watched these movies to make this movie so that he could have put something like that in there. Or maybe the train is just a metaphor for how her and the bug need to wake up cuz they're actually trapped in a dream state. Oh, I'm glad we could talk about any other movie besides this movie right now. This is a good segue. <laughs> so yeah, they kill the bug. Uh her and the boy go up to the surface. They're in a train station. Uh the authorities show up. Bodies everywhere from explosive gas and sewer covers. What? That's the funny thing. Like, police and firefighters are already there because of the massive explosion. (laughs) But yeah, they're saved, and then she thinks Peter's dead, but then he shows up out of nowhere, and they're all happy, and end of movie, happy ending. Kind of surprising, but there you go. Did she ever learn that she was pregnant? At the very... They're hugging and embracing at the end, and he's like, we're gonna have a baby. And... Does he, like, hold up one of those little eggs from the bugs? It's like, it's our new child. No. (laughs) So, yeah, that's uh, Mimic. Eh. (laughs) I was expecting there to be more, like, It-esque 
activity going on? If this not, movie... Not it, sorry. Um, thing. The Thing-esque. Thing. If this movie had been made by present-day Del Toro, yeah, it probably would have. Yeah. But this was a movie basically made by the, you know, the Weinstein Company, <laughs> so... Fuck. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I gotta, I gotta clear something out. This isn't a terrible movie. Are you sure? It's... It's entertaining, and it's very right. simple. Like, I hadn't watched it in many years before this episode, so I reviewed it, and it was still, like, I was like, hey, this is exciting. You get scary monsters, people getting killed. It's it's a horror movie. It works as a horror movie. It sounded more like an action movie the way you were describing it, honestly. There is a lot of, there's a bit of action, yeah. That's the thing. As a movie movie, it does, like, not work at all. <laughs> but it's still a very entertaining action movie. It's a cool creature feature. The designs are really interesting and unique. But yeah, it's just sort of silly. Sort of dumb. But how did it do? Not well. Really? Even with the Weinstein formula for success running the show? $30 million budget. Alright. $25 million at the box office. Ooh, that's yeah. gonna stain. And now, of course, Kev, no surprise to you, there are two sequels. Of course there are. Straight to DVD sequels, but they still made them regardless. Because if you're going to lose money, you might as well lose more money after the fact, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's... I don't know. They came out a while after the original, too. Oh, actually not too long. They're both from the early 2000s, so that tells you everything you need to know about them. Boy, direct to DVD sequel made in the early 2000s. You know how I know that you like me, Pete? Is that you haven't even suggested we talk about those movies. And I probably never will. Because what would be the point? Oh, and also there's a rumored... In August of 2020, Miramax TV stated that it was in development with director Paul W.S. Anderson, you know, of the Resident Evil films, to make a TV series based on the Mimic film. Why is this a... So it lost money in the box office. It's considered Guillermo's worst movie. And the sequels didn't make any sort of a splash. There's a thing that's the opposite of a splash. That's what they did. Why are we why are people still talking about this? Is does it have like a huge cult following? It does have a cult following because like I said, it's the movie that introduced a lot of American audiences to Del Toro, so it at least got his foot in the door for him to make bigger and better things. Cuz I okay. think I think the first thing he did after this was Blade 2, which is the best movie in the Blade trilogy by far. So, you got that going for you. I didn't know Guillermo made one of the Blade movies. Yeah, he made the good one. <laughs> also, he made, if you'll notice, he made the one featuring Norman Reedus, who was in this movie, and Ron Perlman, who would go on to be his Hellboy. Why? I want to know why Guillermo likes Norman Reedus all of a sudden. Or not all of a sudden, in the beginning. Of his in the beginning of his now. career, him and Norman Reedus came up together in a Hollywood man. <laughs> Alright, so we're, we, we were a little bit long in explaining what happened in this movie, which is surprising considering not a lot happened in this movie. Um, (laughs) So let me do a quick recap. What do you think of the movie, critically speaking? Uh, This is good because I only have a few things to state. Obviously, like, the the most 
exciting thing about this movie, the best aspect of it is the visuals. Well, Guillermo's really good at those. He's got great cinematography. Everything's dark and moody and lit really well in, like, interesting ways. And the creature designs are obviously amazing because he do- he always does his own creature designs for films, and they're always fantastical and crazy and weird and awesome. And three Muppets in a trench coat. Yeah. It's the trench coat that gets me. The fact that, like, it looks like just some dude wandering around in a trench coat down in the bay. That's why the fedora automatically inserts itself in my mind. <laughs> and now we've got a very silly-looking bug in my brain. Well, that's on you, Kev. I can't help you. It's a visual movie, so it comes across as a lot worse when you're not actually watching it. Because at least the visuals distract you from the nonsensical plot. Now, here's the interesting thing. The one thing I've been wanting to talk to you about this whole time. Oh, looks like we're out of time. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I'll see you later. I will murder you. (laughs) So, as with any movie that's, you know, cut to pieces by a studio, the director had a different ending in mind that was a lot better than what we got. Well, actually, there's two, I should explain. The first alternate ending was actually filmed and is on the special features on the Blu-ray and DVD. And in that ending... The three survivors, Peter, Susan, and the boy, they get to the service, they're in the train station, and there's people all around them, it's bustling and, you know, early morning train business, and they're all like, yay, we survived, we're happy, but the kid is looking around and he hears the clicking noise of the bugs, and then like... they've got to have something like that. Yeah, and then the camera zooms out, you just see this huge crowd of New Yorkers, and you're like, oh no, the bugs could be anywhere among them, like, they're not all dead, we didn't do it, dun-dun-dun. So that was alternate ending number one, and that's pretty, that's like a cool, like, gotcha ending that's very ambiguous. I'm sorry, it could be in this crowd? They uh, they don't look like humans. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Kev. The more interesting ending, which was only ever in the script, and there were some um, storyboard sketches you can see on the special features, is they're making their grand escape, and when Susan gets attacked by the male of the colony, what she discovers is like the male approaches her, and he's all like bug-like, But then he folds his wings over and he does some other shit. And the male has evolved to the point where it looks almost completely like a human. And it walks up to her and it just goes like, shh, and puts like a finger to its lips. And that shit is fucking Twilight Zone crazy ass cool (laughs) ending. But of course, the Weinsteins were quoted as saying, that's not scary enough she needs a big giant bug to chase her and then get hit by a train, basically. Do they not know what is scary to people? They literally said a bug that can mimic a human being's face isn't scary. I know, I know like 12 people just off the top of my head that I know personally who would be fucking terrified of that. <laughs> a bug? A person who all of a sudden is a bug? Come on! <laughs> You're talking about the look of these things so much, so I decided to actually uh, Google it to see what these creatures look like. And they don't look like humans at all. Um, Either that or they look like treasure chests with teeth for some reason. Uh, No, (laughs) those would be D&D mimics. So this isn't a horror movie about treasure chests that eat you. Uh, Correct. All right. But yeah, I just... If there's anything that you can talk about this movie, it's the what it could have been. And that would have been a memorable ending that people would still be talking about today. 
I mean, unfortunately, we're still talking about the bad ending, so. There's that. There's also that. I'm seeing a lot of things here that have, like, a human-looking bug weird thing, and it's underlined Mimic 2. So does that happen in Mimic 2, maybe? Uh, I don't know. I've yet to watch Mimic 2 or 3, because by all reports, they're just fucking terrible. Yeah. But maybe they do expand on it for those ones. All right, well... Let me cut to the chase a little bit. I'm not going to watch this movie. I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, who do you think should watch this movie, Pete? I I think horror fans should check it out. It's a cool little film that, you know, it's the story of what could have been. But otherwise, it's, it's entertaining as a, a, a monster movie, a creature feature. If you're not into horror, this is going to fall into one of two camps. Either you're interested and you want to check out a cool little monster film that has lots of people getting brutally murdered or if you're like a lot of my friends and hate bugs you won't go anywhere near this movie i i have been told in very violent ways that i can't show this movie to some people because they just won't handle it there's a thing about bugs and and this is the thing like when you see a little tiny guy crawling on your wall and it freaks you out this is what you're picturing yeah you don't need to see this in real life See, so yeah, that's my take. If, if you don't like bugs, don't go anywhere fucking near Mimic. <laughs> Kev, yeah. what is your take on uh, any sort of special demographic or group or organization that could benefit from Mimic? Or organization. If you're the CDC, you might want to watch this movie. Right? No, um, if you have a couple of... Well, actually, they did solve a pandemic in the beginning of this movie, so there's a good point right there. Yeah. So... No, I'm just going to throw a couple movies out there, and if you watched these movies and liked them, then you're probably going to like this one because of the similarities. Uh, Armageddon, uh, Transformers, Bad Boys 2, uh, Bad Boys 1, 2, I guess, The Rock. Wait a second. um, Pain and Gain. Any of these movies that you liked and you're like, these are good movies, uh, I think this movie would be a really, uh, it'd be, it's a level above those movies but it still get the same feel, you know? I I noticed a pattern there, Kev. They're all good action-y movies where big explosions and they fight bad guys at the end, right? All right, we can debate good. <laughs> oh, also, Boondock Saints. <laughs> Norman Reedus, got to show the love. You're just going to watch all of Norma's Reedus, all Norman Reedus movies before you watch this one, too. So you can really appreciate it to its fullest. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we have to say about Mimic. I'm just upset about the name. Because you don't think they'd pull it off? No. I, I'm looking at these pictures. This isn't... I was... For a horror movie, especially like a sci-fi creature-esque horror movie because i'd put this in the sci-fi category oh yeah that's that's wikipedia agrees okay good probably because it has the scientific technological impossibility of decades old derelict trains being able to be brought to life um that's the one sci-fi element to it aside from that if you're going to be running a sci-fi horror movie and you call it mimic then I want to see it mimicking humanity a little bit more than what this is showing me. Well, I gotta hold on, Kev. Now remember, it's it's they're basing it off of real life animals that do similar tricks. Like, for instance, what are the 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 moths 
that have two big dots on the back of their wings that look like eyes so owls won't attack them and that actually fucking works it does work but i'm saying this is this is worse than that i'm looking <laughs> at this picture and i'm like no way and i'm not going to see like this looks like a weird if you covered bane in greasy sheets of oil <laughs> Like, if he had to wear, like, black robes that were covered in oil, you might get an approximation of what these things look like. But Bane, covered in oil, does not look like your average Joe walking around the subways. <laughs> that's so why I wanted more mimicking in this mimic movie. That's why it works, because that's just Susan's theory. And it's like, should they evolve to mimic us? It's like, they probably don't even know you fucking exist. Like, come on. <laughs> this they've... is what humans look like to them because they've existed in subways their entire lives. Yeah. Once they hit the service, it's all over. Everyone's going to be like, oh shit, look at those bugs. <laughs> those are weird fucking bugs. We and the mimic bugs are going to be like, oh, they're onto us. Run. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know... The thing I'm most disappointed about, in a movie called Mimic, there needed to be at least one Groucho Marx-esque in the mirror with a human <laughs> mi- s- you doing the same actions, not knowing if it's a mirror or if it's just like a hallway opening that they could see the other person in. I wanted to see Susan and a bug on one side, on either side of an open doorway, and they like drop the hat and they pick it up. You know, that would have made this movie watchable in my I like how your brain works, friend. (laughs) I really do. All right, guys, we've kept you too long. Thanks for listening to this Guillermo del Toro disappointment-ness fest. Somebody loves this movie and is going to hate me, and I don't mind. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Well, Kev, I'm okay as long as they hate you and not me. (laughs) And most importantly, as long as they remember to not get too scared.